Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Good evening. Let's turn to the book of Revelation. The Revelation is a difficult book to understand. That may be an understatement. Um, you know, we, uh, I think it's a book that a lot of people want to hear from. We want to know what's in it, but it is difficult for us to understand. All right. So, um, that scares a lot of preachers. A lot of preachers will stay away from the book of Revelation because it is difficult to understand. And uh, we're, we're afraid to talk about the, these things because, you know, are we going to be able to convey what we've learned? Um, do we even understand it correctly? But it is God's Word, and I believe that, uh, you know, it promises a blessing when we hear it, whenever it's read aloud, whenever uh, we hear it and do what it says. So, um, we're going to take a look at the book of Revelation. Um, My aim is not to preach a series through the entire book, but uh, we're going to cover at least the letters that it begins with. So... Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll dive into Revelation chapter 1. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you have loved us and sent your Son to die for us. Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear your word. Lord, we pray that you would uh, help me. Um, Lord, help me uh, to be clear, to be bold. Uh, Lord, to... um, to convey what your word has to say, Lord. And Lord, I, I thank you that you are able to use um, a cracked pot like me. Lord, I pray that uh, you would, um, would use me as your instrument. Um, though I am a sinner in need of you, um, Lord, I pray that you would uh, speak your word through through me tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to go ahead and read the text. I normally read the text first and then pray, but I think we got to, I think, I think you're all with me. Okay. Um, revelation chapter one, starting in verse chapter one, in verse one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must take place soon. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, Grace to you and peace from him who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who were before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings of the kings on earth. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood, 
and made us a kingdom and priest to our God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. Um, as we look at this text, I want to I frame how we're looking at it, telling us a little bit about where John was whenever he uh, wrote this. Of course, John was on the island of, of Patmos. It was kind of a, a prison island whenever he was there. And he was writing to persecuted Christians. Um, Domitian was, the, was probably the Caesar at the time of this writing. And Domitian was a very wicked Caesar. Um, the historians tell us that he made free with many other men's wives. Uh, one of the stories about him. And then uh, also one of these particular men who he had um, made free with his wife, he made fun of Domitian because of his bald head. And, the, and Domitian had him murdered, had him killed because of it. Actually, if I remember correctly, he was beaten to death with rods for making fun of his bald head. Um, he was not impressive in the way he looked. Um, as I said, he had this bald head, and uh, there's a story of him vigorously um, scratching a wart on his head until it bled. Um, just not a very um, nice looking or morally um, kind of a person. And um, he demanded that whenever people would come in to, to see him, they would address him as Lord and God. Uh, here he was, a Caesar, he was a wicked man, uh, he was unimpressive, yet he demanded of people that they call him Lord and God. Well, John was writing under this Caesar. And the church was persecuted under this Caesar, Domitian. And what we're going to see in the text tonight is John gives us some reasons why these persecuted Christians and why we are blessed. Even though it didn't seem like it, because of the, the persecution they were undergoing, they were blessed. And John tells them why. And then that blessing then should overwhelm us with praise to God for who He is and how He has blessed us. That's what I think we're going to see here in the text. First, let's look at verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave Him to show His servants the things that must take place. This book, John says that this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is the revelation. Uh, Now, there's a little bit of a distinction here. Some may think that when we come to the Bible or when we come to this book, that somehow this is just kind of a record that can give us access to something behind what was actually there in the text. I don't know if you're following me, but... uh, 
there was what happened, what John saw, and then there was what, uh, what was written down, and somehow we're trying to get to what John saw. That's not exactly the way John presents it. No, it's, it says this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. We hold it in our hands. This is God's revelation itself. We're not trying to get to something through this. This is God's revelation to us. He speaks to us. This is a living book. And when we open it up, whether it's Revelation or any other book of the Bible, God does speak to us through His living Word. It is God's revelation of Himself. And he describes the chain that it came down to us. God the Father gave a revelation to the Son, which He then gave to an angel who gave it to John, who wrote it down and who sent it out to us. That's kind of the chain that it came down as we read it. I'll read the text. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ which God, God the Father, gave Him to show His servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending His angel to His servant, John, who bore witness to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. So there was a chain there. It was, comes from God the Father through the Son to an angel and then to John who wrote it down. And notice, verse 4, John to the seven churches that are in Asia. The Revelation, one of the things that makes it difficult is there's different kinds of literature in it. We have Apocalypse, uh, the Revelation, the word of Revelation is actually the word for Apocalypse, that's one way we can translate it. Um, we have Prophecy, it says, blessed are those who read aloud the words of this prophecy, and it's also a letter. We have, uh, John wrote this down in the form of probably like a circular letter, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come from the seven spirits. You get the idea. It, it sounds a lot like Paul's letters. Paul, I, Paul, the apostle, to the church at Corinth or to the church at Galatia. Those kinds of things. And then when you come to the end of the book of Revelation, the, ends, the very last verse says, The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Again, it sounds like the ending, what you might find at the ending of a letter. So, I think that uh, when we look at the book of Revelation, it is an apocalyptic, uh, by apocalyptic it, it deals with those things at the very end of history. It's an apocalyptic prophecy that was given to John in the form of a circular letter, which he then uh, passed around to the churches that were here, it continued to be used, and we have it today in our Bibles. Everybody following me so far? All right. So, notice another couple of things that he says here. He says the, he's giving this revelation about the things that must soon take place. He, he's writing it with a sense of urgency. And then at the end of verse 3 it says, For the time is near. Again, this sense of urgency. You know, from the very beginning, believers have been waiting in eager expectation for the time when Jesus would return and come again. And there have been people all throughout the ages who believe that you know, Jesus is coming in our day. 
You know, in Paul's day, there were even believers, even in that time, that believed the same thing. That's what one of the reasons we have the book of First and Second Thessalonians. There were people who were quitting their jobs and not working because they thought they were so close to the time when Jesus would return. And Paul said, "No, you you know, you get to work." You get to work. Just because Jesus is coming again doesn't mean we should just sit on our laurels and wait. So, um, and then, you know, we look at the time of the Reformation. You know, Martin Luther and, and all the t- uh, people back then, they believed that, you know, they were at the end times. They, you know, Martin Luther wrote uh, many things saying about how he thought that the Pope was the Antichrist and things like that. And even today, you know, we look around at our world and we think it must be soon. It must be soon. We just see how, how horrible things are in all the world with earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes. And that's just this week, you know. <laughs> Eclipses. <laughs> and uh, um, we, we, there is a sense in which we have all been expecting Jesus is coming. But it is soon. It's going to come sooner than we expect it. Um, there is an urgency there that, that we don't have time to wait around. But there's also an encouragement here. Now think about it. They were persecuted. These people John was writing to originally, they were persecuted under Domitian, this horrible, wicked man. Wouldn't it make us feel better if we were in that situation to hear the words, it's coming soon. These things are about to happen. We, we, we would be encouraged knowing... Um, God is not delaying. He sees us, He he hears our cry, and He will soon act to save us. Let's look at the next part. Verse 4, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who were before His throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. Notice something. He gives a kind of a Trinitarian address. He, he says, to the seven churches in Asia, grace to you and peace from who? Well, first, the one who is and who was and who is to come. I think that's a reference to God the Father. Then, he says, from the seven spirits who are around the throne. I, I think that's a reference to the, the Holy Spirit. And then to, for, from Jesus. And he describes Jesus for us. He says Jesus is the faithful witness. What does it mean that Jesus was the faithful witness? He came and He was the exact representation of God the Father who came and spoke to us. He was a faithful witness. When, we, when He came... Down to earth, He was God in the flesh who came and what He said could be trusted. He was faithful. But now, you know, the Bible tells us we are His witnesses. Just as Jesus was a faithful witness, we are to go and be witnesses. We are to share our faith. We are to be Jesus' witnesses throughout all of the earth. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. Then Jesus is called the firstborn from the dead. I'm losing my place here. 
the firstborn from the dead. This is a reference to the fact that we will all be raised like Jesus. Jesus, He he came and He lived among us. He died, He was buried, and He rose again. When When the Bible calls Jesus the firstborn from the dead, it's a fact we are looking forward to our resurrection. When we die, we don't just go into the ground and our body is somehow uh, releasing our spirit so that we can just live as some spirit being for the rest of eternity. No! But our bodies will be raised from the dead. Just like 1 Corinthians chapter 15 talks about. What is sown like a seed will be raised in glory. Jesus was the firstborn of the dead, showing we can trust that we will be raised from the dead because Jesus was raised from the dead. The next thing Jesus is called here, it says the ruler of kings on earth. Now, these Christians, these early persecuted Christians who were hearing this, they had a Caesar that wanted to be called Lord and God. Yet here John is writing to these persecuted Christians, telling them, reminding them that Jesus is the King of all the kings on earth. He's reminding them of what the truth is, of what the truth is about the nature of all reality. It may look bad. We may have bad politicians like Domitian. But the truth is Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And verse later on in the verse says it begins to 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 talk in in the terms of a doxology. Uh, what a doxology is? It's whenever it's kind of breaking out in praise of God. He begins this to Him who loves us and who has freed us from our sins and made us a kingdom and priests to His God and Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. That's all one sentence. To Him, to God, be glory and praise forever. But He gives us a description in the beginning of that that that, uh, is more. He says, to Him who loves us. He loved us. Think of what all is entailed in that. God loves us. He loves us so much that while the Son of God, the second person in the Trinity, lived forever in eternity past with God the Father, enjoying His blessed presence forever and ever, left that, left heaven and all of its glories to come and become a human being to suffer just like we suffer, to die on a cross, to be spit on, to be mocked. He left all of that and became a human being and suffered and bled and died for us. This is how God demonstrates His love for us. And John says here, to Him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins. You know, in the ancient world, there were many, most people, uh, I've heard before that, the, that uh, there were actually more slaves in the ancient world than there were free people. Slavery was a very common thing. And we as people, we are, before we come to Jesus, we are slaves to our sin. We are held captive by our sin, and Jesus has freed us from our sin. 
He does this, I think, in two senses. You know, he, he has forgiven us. When we are freed from our sins, initially we are forgiven of all of our sins that we've done in the past. But He also, by freeing us from our sins, He gives us the power to resist temptation. And when we do, when we resist temptation, when we are able to withstand desires that are within us and say no to them, it's only because Jesus has freed us from our sins. He says, it says He's freed us from our sins by His blood. It wasn't some kind of a self-help thing by giving us the right methods. He did it by His blood. He made us a kingdom of priests to His God and Father. Sorry. He made us a kingdom of priests to His God and Father. You know, we, um, we don't have priests in Baptist churches today. Uh, we think of other religions. We think of the priests in the Old Testament. We think of uh, a priest in maybe the Catholic church. We understand Jesus is our great high priest. Jesus is in heaven pleading for us before the Father. He is our great high priest. But you know, He's also made us into a kingdom of priests. What does a priest do? A priest worships, and a priest um, speaks to others on behalf of God. And... We do those things as well. When God has called us a kingdom of priests, we worship, we gather together and worship the Lord. We also, we have a priestly function when we go out and we share our faith, when we tell people about the love of Jesus. He has already made us this. I'm not, you know, one of the things we we can uh, sometimes kind of go a little bit astray and say, God has made us a kingdom of priests, so go out and be priests. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, He has made us a kingdom of priests. We need to remember that. And then we can live by like the thing that He's already made us to be. We are a kingdom of priests. So therefore, on that basis, we can go and share Christ with others. We can plead with men to be reconciled to God because of what He has done in making us a kingdom of priests. And then finally, verse 6 closes, To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Not to Domitian, this wicked Caesar at the time, who demanded that people call Him Lord and God. No, it's to God, to the Trinity, to God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Then He tells us, He reminds us, Jesus is coming. Behold, He is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see Him. Even those who pierced Him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. Even so, Amen. Here, um, I think we, we... see something that we're, it reminds me of in Acts. When in the very beginning of Acts, Jesus ascends into heaven. 
He ascends into heaven physically, bodily. All of His disciples are standing around looking into the air and a couple of angels come by and they say, what are you all looking in the air for? He's coming back the same way that He left. When we see this, when we see, behold, I am coming quickly with the clouds, it is a reminder Jesus is coming back bodily, It's not just some kind of a spiritual thing where the influence of Jesus' teachings just spread and pervade the earth. No, that's not Jesus coming back. Jesus coming back, He is coming physically, bodily. We believe in a bodily return. But Jesus, the resurrected King who ascended and is by the Father now, is coming back again. He says, I am coming, or He is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see Him. Every eye, every eye of the whole earth. I don't know how God's going to do that. You know, um, some have talked about technology and the way you know we can see things going on on the other side of the world today in a way that people couldn't back then with social media and all those things. You know, you can watch this sermon right now in another part of the world because Bradley's back there streaming it for us. Okay. But that's not, I think, this is something supernatural. Not because of a technology of how it gets so advanced, but I think this is supernatural. When Jesus comes back, every eye will see because it's God who has done it. Not something through our own technology. Every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him. You know, uh, by that time, Those people who were there at the cross, who stuck a sword through His side, they're dead and gone. Yet, the Bible tells us about a resurrection where everyone will be raised. Everyone, When Jesus returns, everyone will be raised and will face a judgment. When Jesus returns, even those who pierced Him will be there. They'll see Him. Everyone, both the good and the bad, We'll see Him coming with the clouds. And it says, And the tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. You know, right now we live in an era where there is a free offer of the Gospel. And there is forgiveness available to anyone who would believe on Jesus. Uh, Just believe on Him, give your life to Him, and you are completely forgiven. Washed clean from everything that you've ever done. But when He comes back, it's it's over. It's too late. And And all the tribes of the earth will wail in that day because it's too late. They can't do anything about it then. Yet, there's something else that the book of, book of Revelation tells us the tribes of the earth will do. Later on in another chapter, it tells us that every tribe, every tongue, every nation will be gathered before the throne in worship together. There are some from every tribe that will be saved, and there are some from every tribe that will wail on that day because they have sinned and they've turned against the God who made them. Then finally, verse 8. This is kind of a, 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 a declaration from God the Father directly in the, in the words of, of God the Father. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. God speaking forth 
testifying to the trustworthiness of what he is saying here. He is the beginning and the end. He has no beginning or end. He is eternal, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This God who we read about in the Old Testament, the one who made the world and everything in it, who made human beings, Adam and Eve, who we sinned against, but who has made promises, promises of someone who would come and crush the serpent's head, who then came, who took on flesh, who died, was buried, raised again, who ascended into heaven, who is coming back again. What do we need to hear from this today? We may face all kinds of different things. We don't face the kind of persecution that the early church probably did in our location, in our country. There are people throughout the world who do. But what our experiences are, you know, we may face someone laughing at us at the office. We may, we may face some slight things, like the government telling us we can't pray at a football game or something like that. I mean, in, in respect of the whole world and, and the kind of persecution of, of, of Christians that goes on and has been going on, it, what we face is really pretty minor. But whatever persecution, whatever suffering we face, we need to know from this text that we are blessed. Because Jesus loved us. He has freed us from our sins. He's made us a kingdom of priests. And that blessing ought to cause us to turn to praise Him. Knowing that we have been loved ought to cause our hearts just to fall in more and more in love with Him for what He has done. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook. Facebook.